generally bulk waste entity should be able to recover 95% of waste and even in that 5% uh, you would have the sanitary waste component which could go into a medical waste facility for incineration so you can be zero to landfill if you take care of waste like this Hello and welcome to the season 2 of Understanding the Future. I am your host Punit Gandhi and Climate Center for Cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, sustainability and innovation. We will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the top management of government and non-governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future. This will help us in preparing to enable climate actions as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges. If you are listening to it for the first time, do tune into season 1. Hello and welcome to the season 2 of Understanding the Future. I am your host Punit Gandhi and today we have with us Vilma Rodriguez. She is the founder and CEO of Sahas Zero Waste and she will help us understand about waste management in cities. Welcome to the show Vilma. Thank you Punit. Happy to be here. We are glad yeah, that we could invite you over here as well. So let's start the basic conversation or uh, with understanding what do we mean by waste management uh, what are we talking about when we are talking about waste management yes so you know today we look at management of waste uh, all types of waste whether it is municipal solid waste industrial waste biomedical waste you know the whole gamut of materials which have no use for you know people after they have been kind of uh, gone through a certain life cycle but we talk about management of these materials in terms of resource recovery because actually if you look at you know if you can take a, a small step back and look at the world economy and in fact last year you had the world economic forum come out with a very good study which brought to our attention that actually in the global gdp more than 50% of world gdp is contributed by natural capital so that that is equivalent to about 44 trillion dollars so imagine nature is giving us materials equivalent to 44 trillion dollars and because over the last 200 years we have built a linear system of just putting in you know uh, putting in systems for extracting this material and not adequate or definitely not enough systems to put these materials back so that's what we mean now by resource recovery and waste management we build systems to recognize this natural capital which feeds us clothes us houses us and making sure that we make the effort to put it back absolutely i i agree with uh, what you're saying that how we are contributing to the waste as well and i would like to understand it better when we are talking about this whole uh, so globally it is a very huge amount of 44 trillion dollars that we are referring to here 
what is the scenario in urban sector like when we talk about this sir? yes so now when we come to uh, situations you know come closer local look at each of our cities in india uh, and in india you have a regulation which understands that there are especially in our cities the larger generators of waste you have uh, residences in the form of apartment complexes institutions tech parks commercial uh, centers now all of that in a city contributes to 40% of a city's waste which is a big chunk 40% of a city's waste comes from what we call these bulk waste generators now the regulation the swm rules uh, 2016 recognizes you know the fact that these institutions should become centers of excellence for waste management because here is a possibility and there is now technologies people nature coming together for each of these entities to become zero waste entities so what we would like to see now is that each of these entities manages their waste as close to the space in which it is being generated yeah so you it is possible today for in bangalore chennai all our cities mumbai to have an on site waste management system and maybe we can talk about what that means uh, what does it take for you know for a bulk generator to manage its own waste yeah absolutely and uh, when even if we can start with uh, i think treating 40% and developing them as zero waste uh, i think that could be a huge success to start off because my assumption is that majority of that currently goes into landfill correct me if i'm wrong over there but yeah that would again create quite a lot of uh, hassle for the long term uh, so let's let's try to then uh, break it down in how how does resource recovery work in this kind of ecosystem especially the bulk generators and uh, how can that lead to zero waste ecosystems being developed in each of these ecosystems right yeah so now uh, if you are looking at say a tech park generating 10 tons of waste per day Yeah? yeah and out of the 10 tons you have 5 tons of organic material coming from uh, the cafeterias from the kitchens from the breakout areas because of tea and coffee from the gardens and the landscape area so there is this big chunk of organic good rich organic materials and it is possible through composting and biogas and you can have both of these infrastructure that's where technology comes in because today you have technology that can shrink uh, and uh, to the size of you know uh, providing enough of systems for management of this 5 tons of waste per day now when you have composting and biogas 100% all of that waste will then be converted either into bio cng which goes back into the kitchen of the tech park for cooking and composting which goes back into the landscaping uh, or it could go back into you know go back to farm uh, farmers etc for growing crops so imagine again you have you know a good 50 60% of all your waste generated in the tech park being managed processed it come back to you as materials again and then you have the paper plastic metal glass what is called dry waste and again you have in this uh, tech park you have Uh, adequate space allocated for a preliminary sorting exercise 
you know, so that that waste is cleaned out uh, initially. And then it goes, each of this waste goes, uh, or, or rather collectively, this waste goes to an aggregation center. So at Saha Zero Waste, we have what we call a material recovery facility. And this waste from our customers, from different tech parks and residences, comes into an aggregation facility, which is called the material recovery facility. And it again gets sorted into, you know, 25 to 30 different categories, because that's what it takes to recycle. Recycling is very specific. Uh, you know, when you look at plastic, there are at least 10 different grades of plastic. Each grade of plastic goes to a different recycler. Yeah, so this is what happens at a material recovery facility. There is aggregation that takes place. Each waste stream, whether it is the PET water bottle or the plastic milk pouch is, you know, is collected separately, sorted separately, compacted separately and then dispatched to a different recycler. So imagine now the tech parks, the balance of its, you know, waste, 40% of its waste comes into the center and goes out into different recycling facilities. And then your recycling brings you products. And those products, whether it is a t-shirt made out of PET bottles or switches made out of, you know, your milk pouches, they would come back to use. And that's how you close the loop, uh, so to speak. And that's what, you know, each of our entities, whether they are generating 100 kgs of waste per day or five tons of waste per day, that is the system that is now fully possible on the ground. Absolutely. That that sounds very interesting to me because I have like more questions now on this because like, okay, there are so many things to unfold here. So first, I'll ask is on the lines of that you had mentioned that uh, the organic gets converted to cng eventually uh, or goes to compost and becomes a man but if it is becoming into biogas and cng mm. does this kind of cng suffice them for their production of food and everything or then do they supplement it with the existing sources and mix and use it how does that function if you can so, yeah, so it depends. Yeah, it depends on uh, what is the quantities of waste that you have. Okay. And generally, you, you, you know, you will have to supplement it with additional LPG, etc. But it would reduce the quantities of LPG that you require. Now, if you're generating really a larger quantity of waste in terms yeah. of organic waste, it could also give you your complete requirement. So it's not that you cannot manage it 100%, you could, but that depends on the quantity of waste and also the quality. So your gas output is far better with cooked food like, you know, rice. I'm talking of this, the, the waste food in terms of yeah. rice or, you know, curry or sambar, etc., which would be ideal feed for a biogas uh, facility. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, because that would make it much more... Uh, better in closing the loop somewhere but again that's something that in the first category itself we would be trying to reduce so you'll have to make sure that at first it is reduced and uh, as much as possible so that uh, we don't even generate that much of waste the second question over here is uh, uh, what's what's the kind of so I, I i'm not sure i think you guys are in five cities seven cities how many cities 
So we are we are pretty much across India now. Uh, okay. But yes, but uh, I mean we can operate in any city. We are there okay. in mostly in South India, Bangalore, Chennai, Hyderabad, Goa. Uh, but now also uh, in the north in the NCR region, uh, okay. we are definitely looking at Mumbai. And for our other vertical, we talked of. Uh, Uh, the zero waste program which is for the bulk generators uh, that is one of our programs but generally for plastic waste management and for e waste management we are across india in 50 cities oh agree okay. that that sounds amazing so when you are looking at this kind of waste management in the urban sector what is the kind of composition of waste that you generally get from either each ecosystem or how, what is the percentage of what Yes, so sixty percent of of waste is uh, generally organic, and forty percent is recyclable, and in that forty percent, you will have about five percent of waste, which is uh, sanitary waste, you know, and um, waste which is difficult to to retrieve. It could be really soiled, you know. So I'm saying that generally, bulk waste entity should be able to recover ninety five percent of waste. and even in that 5% uh, you would have the sanitary waste component which could go into a medical waste facility for incineration so you can be zero to landfill if you take care of waste like this okay okay that that sounds uh, quite a good ratio and i'm not sure currently how many cities are also able to reach this level because that uh, absolutely reduces the amount of waste that eventually goes to the end site uh, if it is not recovered and so what what has been some of the major challenges that have, you have seen while scaling up across it yeah so the biggest challenge is for people to get out of the resistance that there is this big resistance uh, towards actually putting in systems and processes to recover waste and that resistance comes from the fact that all these years we are used to dumping you know mm-hmm. we are used to just putting our waste in a black bag and giving it handing it over to somebody and then forgetting about it yeah unfortunately that situation has really backfired because there are repercussions on health and environment because of that system and also we did not take responsibility to the point of paying for proper systems you know so so there are the, the biggest challenge is that there is inadequate investment put out by the waste generator for his infrastructure and for the management operations of that infrastructure on a day to day basis so our biggest challenge as a business is that our business model is revenues from a, a user or or a service fee so each customer pays us a service fee for our you know 96% resource recovery and then there is the revenue from waste which is about 30% of our total revenue so the maximum revenue really comes from the user fee and we see great resistance from the waste generator to provide a budget so that his complete system resource recovery is you know enabled yeah and yeah 65% if you're talking about uh, is i think if because currently we are also like that i i would give my example itself currently we are charged somewhere close to 100 rupees for just collecting waste or maybe 200 in some areas and i'm not sure if that is a good amount or not but i know that 
it is not getting segregated even if we segregate at home they mix it up so this is this is quite inherently the problem and in that case scenario when we are looking at it, are there any other business models that are also coming up in this ecosystem right now so first of all about the service fee if you just want to yeah. you know you you talked of 200 rupees i think that is uh, uh, that's much higher than what people are used to paying so it is okay. generally in the range of 50 rupees so you know 50 to maybe 100 rupees but it will take about 200 to 300 rupees per household uh yeah. you know for us to be able to get this entire system properly organized yeah but yeah. so so that is and, and what was your second what was the other other question that you had uh, just now uh, the other was on the lines of business model are there any other business models that are also looked into as of now uh yes so there are see so first of all you you have a lot of uh, potential entrepreneurs who can come in at different stages uh in this system first of all you need infrastructure for the end destination so one yeah. of the business models will be to set up infrastructure for composting for biogas for you know the material recovery facilities uh setting it up operating these are areas these are uh, systems which are required and you do have entrepreneurs who are dedicated to providing these kind of infrastructures yeah then on the yeah. other hand you do have a lot of entrepreneurs in the informal space and when i say informal space you know very often these entrepreneurs the micro entrepreneurs are not really recognized uh, but they do exist and they do work on similar lines as sahas zero waste the only problem is that whilst we put a lot of attention on on a working uh, environment uh, in terms of you know people working uh with proper equipment uh getting access to minimum wages hmm. so those kind of uh, systems and processes are not as yet made available to the informal sector precisely because they do not have the abilities to push for a service fee yeah but otherwise you have a large number of micro entrepreneurs providing similar services but not acknowledged in the way they they've been providing the services so you also now have a lot of new emerging business models uh, that could come in yeah you have uh, i i suppose uh, you know at some stage we'll also talk of extended producer responsibility which yeah. is the uh, again a requirement from the uh, as per regulation for plastic waste and e waste this is a reverse logistics uh, system that is now yeah. required as per regulation so there again there are a lot of um, possibilities for entrepreneurs to come in so that they can enable compliance of brands uh, and mm-hmm. ensure that that you know e waste plastic waste doesn't go uh, into landfill situations yeah yeah no absolutely e- epr is also something i feel very important because i think a lot of now our generation is also from mlp multi layered plastic which is very hard to segregate and uh, how, how how does that then function out how are companies trying to accommodate the same and make sure that uh, more entrepreneurs can enter this ecosystem as well yes so so uh, right now the extended producer responsibility requires plastic waste to be properly traced and tracked 
right up to an end destination. And that yeah. end destination can be either recycling or co-processing. Uh, okay. Co-processing is, you know, where you uh, you kind of capture the energy f- embedded in that plastic waste. And MLP yeah. that you mentioned, the the wrappers yeah. and the you know the biscuit wrappers, etc., which is which really today is very difficult to recycle. Mostly, yeah. largely goes into co-processing. And and you know there is a, therefore a need for entrepreneurs and even micro entrepreneurs because the quantities are large to step in here and to enable that reverse logistics to take place. But there will be a skill and a system and a process and a lot of operational expertise that has to be developed so that the tracking and tracing uh, of materials as required by law takes place. And brands today are, um, you know, really putting a lot of expectations on their partners. Uh, which yes. is good because we want these materials to be tracked and traced and not just, you know, um, uh, have no accountability. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, and this is where now even when companies are picking up with the goals of uh, being zero energy or circular in nature, I think this becomes very important to push as well because unless and until we can actually, you know, somewhere recycle that or make sure that systems are available for it to be recycled that won't be possible Uh, but again this is somewhere uh, I'm always conflicted and I don't know this and that is why I would ask you and I guess there is no correct answer as well but uh, putting a price on something additional charge makes it much more costly for people to buy it as well which is good in a sense but then we are a market which is then governed by a lot of uh, people who can't afford everything. And that is the reason that uh, I think us shampoo sachets came into picture. So how can they also comply to this? Because I think it's important to look at it from their perspective as well. Yes. So I, I, you know, there is, first of all, the requirement for us now as a society to also address the the kind of social change that we need to bring in yeah so therefore and i'm making this point because you know whilst you talk of consumption patterns yeah and you're looking at the fact that today in our systems uh including in in waste management um very few people workers working with waste have access to minimum wages yeah and if we have a, a business plan where there is a service fee and minimum wages are paid, then I don't see a reason why even people working with waste and others in the informal sector cannot have access to basic needs, yeah, to fulfilling their basic needs. And imagine if we were to do this very simple thing, pay minimum wages, slowly expand that to living wages, we would really be able to have a more uh, consumption across different economic sectors yeah so i'm saying that today when you look at the consumption and we look at waste being generated the larger volumes of waste being generated definitely the middle class the industry commercial areas are the largest contributors and i see no reason why they cannot pay proper waste management or resource recovery, user fees, so that they can be accountable to that waste. 
Yeah, it's not going to in any way dent, you know, their overall lifestyle as such. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, you will make available better resources, better um, incomes for people at the base of the pyramid, who in turn then will also start to have, you know, um, to consume some of these uh, products, including, you know, shampoo, and they may not need then to buy that sachet, which is really, I would say, not something that we should be proud of. Yeah, that yeah. we only, you know, because actually we know that these unit small, when you buy in smaller units on the overall uh, prices is much higher than when you buy in a larger uh, kind of package. And Absolutely. also from the environment point of view, uh, you know, a sachet versus a, a bottle uh, is is uh, a sachet definitely has a larger footprint than a bottle. Yeah. So just because we want to have this market and if we don't want to pay them adequately, we seem to have lived with a bad system. Yeah. Yeah. Which needs to now change. No, that, I hope that I, uh, yeah, I was able to answer that, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you did answer it. And that is uh, mm -hmm. because I never uh, saw it from that perspective. And I think, uh, yes, because you are on ground, you have seen on ground what is, what are these challenges which actually causes these things? It makes more sense. And uh, yeah, thank you for this. So, Puneet, I just want to add to that. So, here, therefore, we have to ask industry, yeah, yeah. and push industry to saying, look, your, you know, because you've not been able to bring in a little, to bring in better social kind of systems in place, we've taken shortcuts and opened up this market for sachets when actually as a responsible industry, we would like that they move away from these small little, you know, packets which litter, which cause a large environment footprint and which really should not be there in our systems anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think something because this also, like, I, I do remember, uh, like, as a kid also, this was put as a good marketing thing that, okay, this is how you make sure that everyone has access to everything. But when you have grown up, uh, now you have realized that this is also one of the reasons that the waste is more, uh, which is something like, while it was a genius for its point in time, it also created something bad for itself, uh, which I think every everything that we do also has that kind of repercussion, that it might be best for that point of time. But eventually, we also have to think much more long term than what we generally think. That's my feeling over here. Uh, so coming coming to the next part is like you have scaled across cities now, as uh, we had just mentioned it before. So how... Is the process, uh, like, is it the same that now it's a model and you're aggregating people and making sure that you can scale across cities or there are still a lot of challenges that you face while scaling up across it? Yeah. So the biggest challenge, first, as I talked of the service fee and the, you know, yeah. the market, uh, really willing to pay for that. 
The second is really infrastructure. You know, you uh, for us, uh, we've seen very big limitations in the available infrastructure for recycling of paper, plastic, glass. You know, uh, in some cities you have it, in some cities you don't have it. Uh, the distances that you will have to send materials for recycling uh, does not therefore then make it viable in terms of the cost implications. So we definitely need now again industry who is manufacturing and putting all of these materials into, you know, the ecosystem, they have to therefore now make sure there is adequate infrastructure for recycling of paper, glass. And I keep saying glass because glass is this very nice material which 100% can be over and over again recycled and brought back. But we really don't have adequate uh, recycling facilities um, and adequate systems in place to take it back and have a viable business model for glass recycling. So, uh, so that is one of the challenges because whilst in the south, you know, we've seen, uh, we do have the large paper mills, uh, we do have plastic recycling. There is limitations in, say, the northeast, uh, in our mountains, you know, in our, uh, in, in these difficult, very sensitive environment, sensitive zones, you have very little infrastructure for recycling so we could definitely work with uh, you know uh, these himalayan areas which need proper waste management systems if there was better infrastructure and if there was a willingness to pay accordingly so that you know the prop processes can be followed yeah absolutely. yeah I, I think that's important and i think the follow-up to that uh would be on the lines that government generally acts as an enabler to develop something and uh, in this case but uh i think uh, I'm, I'm not sure about the uh, dynamics and uh the monetary part of it but does it make more sense for government to invest in the technology or uh more sense for private sector to invest because again it depends on how much returns are you going to get right yeah so so basically um in every you know smaller in every city since we're talking largely urban we would expect, uh, as I mentioned, the 40% uh, of bulk generators manage their own waste and the rest of the city's waste uh, should be the responsibility or, you know, uh, government holds that responsibility currently to manage yes. that waste. But again, here you do need government to make sure, number one, you have the right infrastructure and the right infrastructure must be you know, properly tried out. So you're really bringing in the right infrastructure, which has the potential for resource recovery. There yeah. is one problem, though, that we face is that in the operations of the infrastructure, we see big gaps because you're not putting adequate budgets for O&M on a month to month basis. How many people do you need? Uh, are you paying the minimum wages? Are you making sure you have adequate professional uh, support? for supervision, for, you know, managing that process on a day-to-day -day basis. The operational, you know, the kind of budgets that are required for operations needs to be also factored in when you, when a kind of plan is being made for managing the balance of the 60%. And that's where we are seeing gaps really across all our cities. And we are still seeing this lack of acceptance for resource recovery vis-a-vis dumping and just you know regular kind of waste management yeah uh, yeah yeah that's that's true so uh 
again I, i'm just trying to understand it on the lines that okay we have this much amount of recyclable one is the organic component another is inorganic component which mostly can be recovered so organic it's pretty much sorted either you develop it as bio uh, manure or uh, develop bio cng or something like that with inorganic i think we have much more to cover because as you mentioned there are 25 to 30 different sorts of waste that are taken out so what are the different different kinds of recycling and recovery units required in each city to be able to process that yeah so you may not need uh, recycling in every city uh, for all okay. the different types of waste so recycling can be uh because you know you really need to uh, have large volumes of a particular type of material for recycling to take place yeah, yeah? so you do it at you know 500 tons 1000 tons between say 100 to 500000 tons is your yeah. recycling facilities so therefore this is per day uh, right 500 to 1000 yeah the capacities yeah okay. yeah so therefore you have an aggregation facility and then you send out your materials you'll be you'll have like many aggregation points feeding yeah. in to one recycling facility but we need these facilities across india so you will have you know uh, say for uh, if i can take the example of say pt bottles you yeah. will need a facility in the north you will have maybe a couple of facilities in the north couple of facilities in the east and couple of facilities in the south and west so you need that spread out and yeah. uh, so that's where we we kind of see that currently because resource recovery and aggregation and collection is not taking place these hmm. materials are in short supply okay yeah so if they were actually aggregated and collected and you know as as we've talked about then there would be more uh, recycling facilities set up because that would make um that would also make a uh, a uh, business kind of sense and on the other hand you need to have a market develop for the products yeah. so you need less you need industry to say look we are not going to use virgin materials yeah. we are going to procure all our materials from the recyclers hmm. yeah so you can see all packaging yeah, yeah should have should go should should actually come back from uh, the the materials used for packaging should be sourced from recycling centers now i'm talking of this as you know the best situation but the yeah. fact is that today recycling is not evolved because not enough of investment has been put into the whole system you've had industry just you know invest in that little uh logo behind every packet or every bottle saying it can be re- it is recyclable but yeah. they have not invested in actual recycling facilities and this is in europe this is in america this is across other asian countries this is in india yeah and uh, so if we're investing in recycling facilities then packaging would come from our re- the materials for packaging would come from our recycling facilities okay okay and are there any so this is just again coming from the thought process that generally your buying and consumption also depends on like okay this is recyclable accordingly we have different different kinds of iso standards so is there any standards that can also be given so that uh, 
public can also you know uh, have better understand that okay this is standardized and if this is the product and it can still follow this much amount of standard this is good something like that has been thought of or is being done yeah so i'm uh, so basically what is happening is that public has great faith in the fact that on his packet he sees a recyclable logo and believes it will be recycled and yeah. that should be the trust that should be you know that industry must honor that trust yeah, yeah. and so today we expect them therefore to build standards for recycling yeah yeah so they have to be take on this 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 uh, trust factor and put in place tracking the waste right up till the end destination and put the right infrastructure for recycling today it is possible for instance for a what we call a hdp bottle you know these uh, shampoo yeah. bottles are generally rigid plastic it is yeah. possible once your rigid plastic shampoo bottle goes out of your house it goes to an aggregation center it goes to a recycling facility and it uh, that recycling facility makes these uh, pellets and those pellets go back to making that same bottle not a 100% but a portion of that goes into making that same bottle and then that bottle gets comes back as your shampoo bottle we need that to move from the current 10% 20% even less than that to 100% that's the investment of the new economy the circular economy which all of us have to really push towards yeah yeah no uh, i'm i'm glad that you brought up the circular economy point because i think here when we are talking about then there is an ecosystem for collection processing redevelopment of product as well and uh, then again selling of uh, those stuff itself uh, so there are quite a lot of things that needs to be taken up parallelly that's what my feeling is over here but uh, yeah please uh, you can elaborate more i think you would have much more experience on those things yeah so so you know when you talk of circular economy now uh, what will it take it will take huge shifts in first of all mindsets huge yeah. shifts in business models yeah, yeah. so so if industry in in all of these years has you know um had huge uh, has has had profitability as their big driving force a circular economy is looking at environmental and social change you know yeah. uh, we are looking at social justice and environmental uh, accountability now a circular yeah. economy will be able to deliver on that but not at the levels of profitability that have existed over the last 200 years so yeah. are we ready for that mindset shift yeah mm. and i think uh, I, i really hope that all of us consumers you know will make that inevitable now for industry to follow yeah. i know it's a huge ask but that is yeah. what it will if, if we really want an environment which will sustain us yeah you know over the next many generations true true it's going no, to be I, difficult not not impossible i i agree with it it's, it's a lot of mindset shift that everyone will need to have and uh, somewhere it does require uh, nudges and pushes from all different things over here that is there for sure 
Uh, so uh, we have talked about uh, just browsing on one of the last questions before we move to the end segment is we have talked about a lot of technology. So one, some of them are technology to convert waste to different, different products. Are there any other technology that we should look into or we should be aware of in this sector, which has a potential to change the system? Yeah, so th therefore you do need um, uh, technology around uh, tracing and tracking. Yeah, so that's okay. where uh, all the, you know, analytics, you know, the software, yeah. the MIS systems, all of that needs to come in to track and trace waste. And that is technology driven. So that's mm -hmm. an area which is being explored and which needs definitely to evolve. The other is the kind of systems for identifying waste types okay you know plastic i mentioned has got you know 10 different types of plastic and currently that is done very manually so it's very mm. difficult sometimes because between say hdp and pp uh you know the the material feels uh almost the same but they are two different materials uh two different types of polymers uh so our uh, manually it is difficult but you can bring in technology you can bring in machine learning systems to be able yeah. to identify these kind of different types of waste. So that's the new kind of requirement uh, which is coming in available um, and but needs to be uh, further kind of expanded. Um, so you do need to also then, as I mentioned already, definitely uh, all kinds of uh, technologies for recycling need to come in for yeah. closed group recycling. Today we are happy with PET bottles coming in as T-shirts, but that yeah. is not post-loop recycling. And we can do definitely much better than that. We need a PET bottle coming back as a PET bottle and, you know, nothing less than that. That is what you call closed-loop recycling because then you will not use virgin materials to make, yeah. you know, a new bottle. We have to put materials into a cycle and into a loop. So those are yeah. technologies which industry and anybody else, government, etc., has to push for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I do remember. So I, I had been to Adelaide where I was understanding how the city is circular up to 80-90% and uh, how much of recycling. And they had these kind of technology where sorting was based on color and different, different kinds of uh, image resorting and everything was also there. Uh, but in Indian context, I, I know that the labor is quite cheap compared to what they have it over there but these machines would then be much more expensive as well right so we might need an indianized version of those technology which can still do it on some other parameters but yeah uh, how, how does waste sorting technology or uh, machines compare to the current ecosystem and i do understand here and uh, from the safety point of view it is much better to have those uh, health and standards point of view as well. Uh, but how how is that in Indian ecosystem? And what do you feel yeah. about it? Yeah, so you will not need to lose, you know, you will actually have more jobs created. Yeah, even if you're bringing in technology and if you have that right balance between uh, a manual um, a system of sorting versus uh, identification of difficult to recycle materials using machine learning. So there is this, this uh, a balance if we can maintain. Imagine today we are, you know, not dealing with 
uh, segregated waste flowing in through our aggregation centers to the level that we should be doing. So if you yeah. really have good segregation systems, your volumes of waste increase that go to material recovery facilities, you will need far more people to manage the material recovery facilities because you can't do it just with uh, automation. Yeah, so that balance will bring in more jobs, will bring in better sorting and will bring in better recycling. So that's why we always say it's nature, people and technology. Technology is just a very small part of the whole enabling system that is required. But it is important to have it there. Absolutely. And I, I think this is this is a good segue to the end segment where we generally ask about what are the different kinds of skill sets required. I would say to establish this ecosystem because I think this still needs a good amount of establishment uh, to be done uh, from every side of the ecosystem. So what will be those skills uh, that you feel are important? Yes. So first of all, you do need entrepreneurs. Yeah. And that's where, you know, it's very exciting to see younger people um, interested in the space, coming into the space, looking at it as a big opportunity. So there is that whole, um, you know, factor of uh, stimulating entrepreneurship. Now, you do need entrepreneurs, but you need entrepreneurs to understand the market beyond just the size of the market. Okay. Mm -hmm. The size of the market is huge. But how do you, you know, convert that huge market size and break it down into how you're going to deliver services to your customer base? Yeah. So the skills will be now uh, around operations, project management, day-to-day, um, -day, uh, definitely sales, marketing. You know, a typical business all of those factors are required. All of those skills are required in waste management. And that would be at leadership levels, at mid-levels, and then, of course, also at the ground level, the, the blue-collar workforce that you have to work with. Yeah? And that blue-collar workforce must not be informal anymore. They have to be like any other workforce on a shop floor, yeah, in a in a soft in a in a uh, mobile uh, factory kind of situation or a car manufacturing uh, shop floor that is a kind of workforce which is required which is huge uh, which, which which we will need as a huge requirement and that is a kind of workforce that that will also deliver everything else to us yeah so i'm saying that you will be able to create a lot of green jobs because remember i'm only talking right here about you know, in collection, aggregation up to that point. And then if you're recycling so much more materials, then there's yeah. a whole new area around recycling uh, that is also possible. Absolutely, absolutely. Create so many more, yeah, which will also then, you know, create so many more jobs, create so much more expertise. Uh, there is research that is required. So, again, you know, the academic part of it uh, has to be then also worked out. So, jobs in, in universities for research, research uh, uh, institutions. So, there, there's really a big spectrum of expertise that is required here. And we can't, uh, you know, waste is, and resource recovery is a new uh, sector, which is all out there for us to explore. True, true. I, I agree with you that, uh, and I'm also quite hopeful that there are quite a lot of new things that are possible 
and can be done and i think more and more entrepreneurs as they'll come and will be able to help this sector for sure thank you I so just much make one very quick one sorry punit one very yeah, yeah, quick no, one I, that was where i was coming which we didn't tackle and there is a big requirement for upcycling yeah okay, yeah so if you're looking at say textile waste um, yeah. and the amount of volumes of textile waste which can go into making you know products which are upcycled and again you can you know bring it back so yeah. upcycling again would create a lot of new jobs you can have uh, things like uh, if you're looking at the market for uh, uh, sustainable menstruation yeah so again you have cloth pads today we rural india is crying out for proper hygienic products um, uh, during the menstrual periods and you can have huge number of people making cloth pads instead yeah. of you know uh, the sanitary napkins which are used and throw these are now known to be much better than the plastic based coated uh, sanitary napkins so there again a huge entrepreneurial spirit can come up to the, the market for sustainable menstruation is as big as 33 billion rupees you know that is yeah. a kind of market yes yeah 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 okay thank you thank you so much but if any other things you have missed out on and you would like to cover happy to hear it from you no i think it was fine i th- i hope it was um, you know simple and uh, i suppose that we you know will be able to address uh, to your audience you know what they were looking for i i hope i've been able to do that mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely it was fascinating conversation and i really had a lot of fun discussing a lot of things as well thank you so much very much thanks thanks for me you have been listening to understanding the future podcast to know more about climate center for cities check out our website www.niua.org/c-q the show is conceptualized produced and edited by punit gandhi senior associate at cq you can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel it can be accessed through the credits also don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics thank you and stay tuned for our next episode